Hello and welcome into another episode of Popcorn for Breakfast, a special Thanksgiving edition of Popcorn for Breakfast. We have an ultra pack show for you today. We've got Thanksgiving edition of Hype Train. We've got our review of Knives Out, not even in theaters yet, and our top five ensemble films. Let's do it. Thank you for joining us with your co-host, Kirk. Hello, hello. I am your co-host, Cam. It is another episode of Popcorn for Breakfast. It is a Thanksgiving edition of Popcorn for Breakfast. And we... What are you looking at? <laughs> it's a, it's episode 20. It's episode 20. I was yes. looking at the, the file. Yeah, yeah, you're looking <laughs> at the file name to see what episode we're on. Episode 20, Kirk. This is our 20th film. 20. Is it our 20th film? No, more. Oh, it's more because we did a double review. Is this number more, 21? Kirk. No, this isn't episode 21, but oh. it is our 21st movie that oh, we've reviewed. Oh, I'm in a paradox. Well, we skipped a week. So remember, we kind of, we skipped a week. Yep. Not a full week, but we kind of like did one like three days late and then another one three days, I don't know. Mm-hmm. We did something in there because we saw Gemini Man and Zombieland the same weekend. Yes. That was all one episode. So we've... This will be our 21st movie review. Welcome, everybody. Yeah, this is our 20th episode. Man, life life comes at you fast. This podcast is just a baby, and it's growing right before our eyes. Yes. Love it. Um, are you a Thanksgiving person? Oh, yeah. Yeah? Love it. Yeah, what, what about it? What's your thing? What do I love about Thanksgiving? Yeah. Oh, man. I never stopped to think about it. Well, it's... You know, it's a question you should ponder because we're going to do Thanksgiving hype train, which will be our, you know, just like a couple of things that you're hyping on because it's Thanksgiving. Yes. Um, And if you're out there, you might be Thanksgiving traveling. Lots of people travel for Thanksgiving. Um, So this podcast will be great. Maybe we can accompany you on your journey and be a a familiar face for you. If you're flying, driving across the country, whatever you got to do. So we're going to do Thanksgiving hype train, like I said. We're going to do our review of Knives Out, which is very much like a Thanksgiving-y type of movie, you know? I believe so. It's all about family. Yeah, and even like the aesthetic. It's like kind of fall. Absolutely. There's Yeah, it was fall, right, in the movie? There's leaves everywhere yeah, in that yeah. movie. Yeah, so I think it's very much... I felt comfortable calling this Thanksgiving edition of Popcorn for Breakfast because we had this movie. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to do... Because Knives Out famously has a, has a stacked ensemble cast you know names all over the place jamie lee curtis daniel craig anna de armas christopher Plummer, all the gangs all here michael shannon so we're going to jump into our top five films with great ensemble casts so really our top five ensemble casts you can even dislike the movie but like the cat i I don't know where that's going to happen but just in theory, you could. I wish I had one up my sleeve right now. Maybe no. Elizabeth Town. Have you seen that horror <laughs> of a movie? No, I, I haven't. hate that movie. Yeah, I don't know anything about that. If you really want to just hate your entire evening one night, turn on Elizabeth Town. It's awful. Okay, I'll do that. Kirsten Dunst, Orlando Bloom. Oof. 
No, yeah, I've I've not seen that one. So that's maybe I, should should I check it out? Elizabethtown. Uh, I'm gonna add it to your homework, and you're. Gonna... But didn't you just say it, you hate it? Yes. So why do I have to watch it? Because I just want you to feel my pain. You know, you're. This is all some sort of like Schadenfreude. You want me to suffer, you know, the same way you did. You want it to be equal. I was forced to watch this movie in high school, mm. and mm. I regretted every frame of it. Every. <laughs> Every frame. That is strong. Not a single moment was good. <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, yeah. Add it to the list. I, I can't guarantee that I'm going to watch it, but go go for it. Go ahead and add it. Um, speaking of things we need to watch, what did you watch this week outside of Knives Out? Oh, man. So I went ahead and got ahead of next week, and I watched Frozen 2 with the oh, kiddos. yes. Good call. Good call. Mm-hmm. Because we had a vote. We, we were either going to review Knives Out and Frozen 2 because... Either one of those, because we were originally going to see both this weekend, and we were even toying with the—I mean, not to not to let you down—we were toying with the idea of doing a double review episode. There were a couple of different concepts kicked around. It actually ended up working out really well that the people voted for Knives Out because I didn't get a chance to go see Frozen Two this weekend. Mm-hmm. But you did—you took the kiddos and you went to go see it. Had to. They could not wait a moment longer because they were just bursting at the seams to see Elsa on her next adventure. Sure. So I, I don't want to know anything about this movie, but I have to ask this. Mm-hmm. Does the music match up with the OG? It's a wonderful question. Could it? Could it even? I don't know. It's open end question, Kirk. I think that the styles are different. Mm. To That's my opinion. Even the musical styles? Yes. Mm. And we're going to dive deep next week on we why are. I think that. We are. Okay. I like it. What else did you watch? Anything? Um, I've been just binge watching so weird, left and right. Yeah? Fi- finished season one. I'm mi- midway through season two. Oh, you're cruising. I am at my most favorite episode. It's called Banshee. Mmm. <clears throat> A little tickle in my throat, excuse me. And what what's Banshee about? Banshee is about Mackenzie Phillips traveling back home to Ireland, and she's mm. confronting her father over all the horrible childhood memories she has her dead father her he's f- dead right so sorry um it's the it's the mom so this is the oh, grandfather okay, gotcha, gotcha, yep gotcha, gotcha, so gotcha. that's okay that's okay um he's alive Mackenzie phillips is the mom rock singer and she sings him a song called the rock this is just for me because there's like no other listeners out there that probably watch this show yeah lots of lots of layers to this though oh man and, a lot of moving parts and then fee that's the girl. Fee, short for Fiona, walks through like the graveyard looking for someone. Someone get always gets lost, and then she gets captured by this banshee who is going to take Grandpa's life that mm. night. And she like bargains with him to let him live a little bit longer. Wow. Well, it's a good thing it, she's around. It is probably the best episode of the series. Gives me chills all over. That's great. I'll have to check that out. Mm-hmm. I will. Um, anything else? Mm, I think I think that was it. Okay. Cool. So um, I watched so. Wife and kiddo were out of town visiting family this weekend. Oh, I bet you watched a lot I watched of stuff. All kind of, I mean, I mostly was catching up on shows, Watchmen, His Dark Materials, Silicon Valley, all of that, The Mandalorian, all of these things. But I got a chance to check out that Netflix movie, The King. Timothy Chalamet. Timothy Chalamet, yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, Robert Pattinson. It was good. I liked it. I don't, I don't have, I have to tell you, I don't have any interest in that era. I'm not even the slightest interest at all. Yeah. And so that's like a huge hurdle for me to overcome. My parents are all in on that. So I was, I was with my parents a lot this weekend, just like hanging out and, uh, they're all in on that era. 
They they like all the old. If it's old and British, they want <laughs> everything. They want it all. It doesn't matter. It could be it could be like old by today's standards, or it can be like ancient, super duper old. They're all about it. Mm-hmm. Like I like Downton Abbey, but I, that's about it. Yeah, yeah. Like the Tudors and all that stuff. I don't know jack squad about it no. but this movie was good i liked it i mean it's very much um what you would expect in terms of like it's very dialogue heavy um but there's some really good action sequences i suspect that it's fairly historically accurate based on what was in there uh it was good i really liked it um and i'm trying to think did i watch anything else no i don't think i did i think that was it just the king and then i catched up i caught up wow, on all my shows beautiful so it was it was a good time but um excited to jump into this episode we've got dude we've got our work cut out let's go with knives out next week we got frozen 2 there's all kinds i mean 21 bridges came out this week a beautiful day in the neighborhood came out this week i'm kind of stressing out about it but we got lots to see we'll get everybody all caught up on what's going on let's first jump into our thanksgiving hype train Let's get into Hype Train. Let's go. Energy up. We got the horn. Getting it. Getting yes. It. Yes. Love that music. Gets me fired up every time. Love the love the rap horn. You know, love it. Get the energy up. Do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? Go first. All right. My first Thanksgiving Hype Train. What I'm really psyched about for Thanksgiving is a little dessert I like to call peanut butter pie. Is this, so I have to ask, is this like an everybody thing or is this like a just my family thing? I think it's limited to very few families. Okay. If you know about this, if you know what peanut butter pie is, let me know. So I know that I'm not alone out there, but this is like a staple in in my family. I don't know how you make it, but you take like uh, graham cracker crust. You've got whip cr- or cool whip and peanut butter and something. I don't know. And magic. It, yeah. Magic and pixie dust and all of those things. And you make this concoction. It's like a soft, creamy pie. It's absolutely delicious. We have it every Thanksgiving, and I love it. And I am not a sweets guy at all. I do not like sweets. I'm just not. It's too rich for me, but peanut butter pie, I'm all over it. There's nothing better than that dessert. Yes. After you've stuffed yourself with like eight pounds of turkey and everything else. Yeah, yeah. That's that's the finishing, you know, that's the finishing move. As Ryan Spriggs always says, you have two stomachs. Oh, yeah, that's right. You have a dinner stomach. A dinner stomach. And, and you have a dessert, dessert stomach. stomach. Yeah, and I think that that's true. And it's never more true than on Thanksgiving Day. Yes. It's where you, it's like this is what we've been training for, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so, yeah, peanut butter pie. Well, keeping on the food trend, you yeah. know, that's at the end of the meal. I'm going to go with the front of the meal. Okay. You always have to have the cheese ball. Ooh, cheese ball. Got to get that cheese ball with some wheat thins. Oh, That's right. Wheat. Wheat thins. Oh, yes. Wheat thins. My apologies. <laughs> the H comes before the W. <laughs> I don't even know what's all in a cheese ball. I've seen... I've picked up all the ingredients yeah. several times, but... It's like prosciutto and cream cheese mm-hmm. and uh, scallions. Or is it... It's green onions. Is there like cilantro in there or something or... I don't know. I think just green onions. Love. Yeah. 
oh my gosh, it's just so good. Yeah, I could that's eat, right. I could eat that Sugar whole thing. Sugar spice as a everything meal. nice. Yes. But you gotta get you gotta get down with a cheese ball for your hors d'oeuvre at Thanksgiving. Hors d'oeuvre is, yes, that's I'm right. I'm so excited about cheese ball. Yeah, it's a good one. Good one. Cheese ball. Okay, my number two hype train. I don't know if everybody does this at Thanksgiving either, but I'm excited for card games. Love it. I love card games. Love playing Euchre on Thanksgiving. Love playing Spoons on Thanksgiving. Um, a lot of times when the kiddos are still like milling about with the adults before they like get bored and go outside or go to the movies or something, they like to play War. Oh, yeah. Which is such a simple card game, but one that is fun. It never ends ever. It just goes on forever. It's like the monopoly of card games. Because right when you think the final two, that last person has like two cards left. Yeah. One of the two is an ace, and they it's just right. take it Boom. all back. Game over. Oh, man. Yeah, so I'm excited for card games. I'm going to bring Exploding Kittens this year. Which that isn't like exciting. A, it's not like a deck of cards game, but it's like a, a game with cards, and that's really fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they make a game called Throw Throw Burrito, which I just found out about recently, where you literally throw rubber burritos at each other (laughs) and so i'm definitely picking that up and bringing that so yeah card games i feel like there are more card games now than there ever were before however they're just not marketing them we're at the peak of card games we are i feel like i walk through target and i see the board games and the card games and they're they have their own entire wall and it's not a small wall it's like a hundred foot wall right and you just don't know how to play these games because they don't market them. They just throw them out there and then anyone could play them. Well, there's game people, you know, there, there are game people. These are the people that have just tons of board games in their home mm-hmm. and they, they, they're the ones buying them. They don't even need to market them. They just figure it out. Subculture. It's kind of like how I heard about throw, throw burrito just through the grapevine. Mm-hmm. There's some people who are really well connected in the, I don't know. you got but, the, you got the game people. But I want to play it. I want to play a game. It says something about, it's like a mixture between a card game and dodgeball. I was like, <laughs> yeah, sign me up. And I want to inject that into my veins. That sounds incredible. I hope the burrito like squeaks like a dog oh, toy. Just, if it doesn't, that would be a huge <laughs> like, miss. When you throw it, squeak. <laughs> yeah, it, it has to. I mean, frankly, it, it has to. So yeah, card games. Let's go. More food from my end here. Yes, do it. So we did the dessert. We did the hors d'oeuvres. Yeah. We got to go straight in the middle with mashed potatoes. Mm -mm. There's nothing better than mashed potatoes. Um, I'm very Irish and I love all things potatoes. Yeah, just potatoes all day. But I especially love mashed potatoes because that, my friend, is something you can't make just any night of the week. So when you have, you know, 30 people coming for Thanksgiving dinner... You crank that out. You crank like nine pounds of potatoes out, if not more. Yeah. I mean, as as many as it takes. Mm-hmm. And and no one should ever have to feel on Thanksgiving like there's no there's no mashed potatoes left. That should never happen. Correct. That's, that's a Thanksgiving nightmare. If you go to get more mashed potatoes and they're gone. I ha- I usually have to wait at the end of the line in both, both family dinners because I love mashed potatoes so much. I just make sure everyone gets their first round. Yeah. And then I scoop up the You're like, okay, I'll just take this bowl with me. See you guys later. <laughs> yes. Yeah, for sure. Guilty. It's, it's delicious. Mashed potatoes. All right, my last hype train. This is kind of a cheat. It's a, My last Thanksgiving hype train is uh, Christmas cookies, specifically shortbread. So once again... Not a fan of sweets. Mm-hmm. Don't like sugar cookies. Don't like most cookies, to be honest with you. But in my household, Christmas starts after Thanksgiving. And by my household, I mean my, my parents. Jackie 
loves Christmas as soon as it's November 1st. She's like, Christmas. I'm not, I'm not <laughs> all over that. Okay. I'm like morally opposed to it, but we, you know, we compromise. It's a marriage. You got to make it work. So there will sometimes be Christmas decorations up before Thanksgiving in my home, but there's never Christmas cookies and specific shortbread is a Christmas cookie. You know, it is there. You can't eat that any other time of the year. So I get very excited about the shortbread cookie because it's like a butter. It's like basically a buttery cookie. It's not like sweet, like a sugar cookie or anything. And I just love them. They're delicious. It's my all time favorite. I always think of the girl scout shortbread. Yes. What do they call those? They have a they have a different name other than is other it not just short, it's not just shortbread. I I'm fact checking this. Oh no, that's what it was my entire childhood. Oh, again, maybe I'm making this up again. I'm turning thirty, Cameron. Everything's changing on me. Shortbread Hold Girl on. Scout cookies. Looking it up. Looking it up. They are called shortbread. Wow, what <sighs> what a dope. Oh wait wait trefoils. No, isn't that a thing? No, isn't that a thing? Trefoils. Sorry, this is bad radio, but I have to know. Yeah, yeah, trefoils. No. So some of the boxes say shortbread, some of them say trefoils. They're still selling off the <laughs> the original shortbreads that are like yeah, and they're in there. I mean, they're shortbread cookies. So yeah, that's correct. Well, I'm gonna write to the Girl Scouts of America and get that changed back. Maybe you. I mean, it looks like it. They're on the box now. I don't know. They're, maybe they changed course. They don't call them that anymore because they are just clearly shortbread cookies. Nope. I'm gonna go fight some Girl Scouts. There. I mean, Kirk, if you want to fight some Girl Scouts, that's fine. That's your prerogative. It's, this is America. You can do happy, whatever you want. Happy Thanksgiving. I'm gonna. I actually, you know what? I don't think that's how America works. I don't think you can do whatever you want. Okay, yeah. Uh, but yeah, happy Thanksgiving. Um, my third Thanksgiving hype train was Christmas cookies. So. Love it. <laughs> kind of says all you need to know about Thanksgiving, that you're excited about the Christmas portion of, the, of Thanksgiving. For sure. Yeah, you're like, oh, great. Now this is over. Let's move on to the fun part. That's right. I've got one more, right? Yeah, go. Time with family. Oh, that's a good one. Thank you. That's a really wholesome choice. Life is very busy. on brand for Th- you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> life is busy, and then you just get two days off out of your crazy life, and you you go and you you hug your kids, and uh, you you stuff them full of all of the crazy food you're eating, and, and then you beat them in war. Yes, because you have to teach your children that you don't just get handed things in life. Mm-hmm. In fact, you never get handed anything ever. Never. So yeah, like this is how it was. With the pilgrims. <laughs> <laughs> this is real. <laughs> you just got to show them show them history through by living it yeah. and expressing it in real time. Yeah, it's good. But spending time with family. I'm, I'm pumped to get some Yeah, spending get some time, time with, with family. Fam. All right. And that is a wrap on Hype Train, which brings us into what's popping. And we've got... Oh, yeah, you were, you were not uh, ready. Was, you were sleeping late. at the wheel. But it was good. Good, good quality popping going on there. Thank you. Lots of, man, we got some good what's popping this week. Let me tell you, this is quality. I've seen, I've now seen 19 other what's poppins in my day, and this is a good one. I'm here to tell you. Whoa. I mean, I don't want you to get too excited, but I mean, it is, it's, oh. it's in the upper 5% of what's poppins, I guess is what I'm trying All to right, say. All right, let's see what you got today. Okay, then. so, uh, <laughs> first one. There, so, weird week last week. Rumors of this Joker sequel, which I was like, what? Rumors of the Joker sequel started spinning around. And it was like, for sure this is happening. Then it was like, for sure this is not happening. Then it was like, we don't know. It kind of seems like it might be happening, but we don't actually know anything. Um, And that is where we're still at today. Yeah. 
IGN actually just updated their article. They didn't post a new article. They updated the article that we'd actually shared this week. And so it looked like yeah, it, it, looks it was like... unsure at the time <laughs> that we posted it, but yeah. they just kept editing it. Uh, it was so such a weird news break and it was trending on everything and I don't know what to believe anymore. Yeah, the, I mean, this is what everybody was doing because I think Variety was the one that first reported, I want to say it was Variety who first reported it and then they were like, oh, no, I don't know that we wanted to run with that, which this could be, it could be a number of things. It could be, yes, this was happening, but their source got ticked off whenever they said it was happening and they were like, hey, you weren't supposed to say that. It could be, maybe it's like Todd Phillips Somebody was, I was talking to somebody at work the other day. I can't remember who it was. He was like, is this like some sort of leverage play for Todd Phillips to get more money off of a Joker sequel or something like that? Is it like leveraging through press, which is kind of what we saw with the Sony Spider-Man thing. I mean, it does happen. It does. So maybe it's that. I don't really know what to think, but what are your thoughts on the idea of a Joker sequel, a sequel to this Joker that we got this year? Yeah. To Arthur Fleck. I would say that it's most likely not going to happen as we discussed before, because I don't think Joaquin would be able to go there again. You know, that it was such a, such a dark and specific world and he'd have to probably lose all the weight again or most of it. That's, that's just intense. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, that's a good point. That's an angle I had not thought of, of like he, how can he physically prepare himself for that role again? I'm not sure that he can either, to be honest with you. That's, mm-hmm. a, that's a really good call out. My thought was Joaquin's not a sequel guy. I no. mean, is he? Well, I've never, uh, Joaquin is not like a sequel movie franchise guy. He signed on to this movie because it wasn't a franchise because it was marketed right. as a standalone. And they were very clear about that, you know, when it, cause on the, you know, on the press tour, there were obviously tons of questions about like, will this Joker ever meet Batman? Will this Joker ever exist in the DCEU outside of this movie? And it was always like, no, no, I don't think that makes sense. I don't think that's going to happen. And then we get these reports. So I don't really know what to think. I know that Todd Phillips probably would like to make a second one just because he made bank. Did you see the numbers on that? No. So Joker made a billion dollars because of the way his contract was written. He made close to a hundred million dollars, 10% of their earnings off of it because this was a movie that, I mean, he wrote it, he directed it, executive producer. I believe this was a low budget film. He kept it under, I can't remember what it was like under a hundred million. Maybe it might've been even lower than that, like 50 million range in terms of budget. And yeah, the way his contract was structured, he got a cut of the earnings and it just slayed at the box office. And so he's walking away with a hundred bills, man. That's not fair. Isn't that insane I'd for like that. one movie? Yeah. I mean, I'd like that. I wouldn't sneeze at that. Like, okay, <laughs> I'll take your hundred million. Sure. In, in my mind, I would stop. You just kind of like the whole Matt Damon thing years ago. He said, as soon as I make my first million, I'm, yeah. I'm out. And then Dude, that was it's, false. It's a drug, man. It's like, it's like a dopamine. It's like a rush. It's like, oh, I made a hundred million. How much more hundred millions can oh, I make? It was make? so easy to make a hundred million. I only had to make that one really good movie. Yeah. I could make another hundred million. It just, it never stops. It's like gambling. It is gambling in a way. It is. You're betting on yourself. I hate gambling. I love oh, it. Stresses I me out. I love it. I bet on sports. Oh. I've started sports betting. I've got money on the game tonight. That's oh, happening. Yeah. <laughs> the Monday night football game. I was sitting at work. I was like, 
oh, the over is at 47 points. So if this game combined score goes over 47, I was like, oh, man, and this is a stupid me. My brain, I'm like, oh, that's going to hit. I guarantee that's going to hit. And it, it's like 50-50. <laughs> you know, I'm, it's totally stupid. I'm such like a happy Scrooge that I'm like, okay, I'll put, I'll, I'll bet this one time. And then I'm like, oh, man, I just lost 20 bucks. Well, I'm, I'm done. Like, yeah. I've done that so many times in Vegas where I will never bet again in Vegas. I once won. I bet on a horse. There's a horse racing place near here. I bet on a horse. My first, like, official bet ever. I just turned whatever. Is it 21? I can't remember. Yeah, I think it's 21. So the official age of, of gambling. And I bet on a horse named Streaking Invictus. Nice. Such a, good a cool name. name. Strong name for a horse. Only reason why I chose it. And it it won. It was like a movie, how it just galloped into the front line. So Yeah. Otherwise, I hate gambling. I'm surprised I didn't get you hooked, man. Uh, See, here's the thing. I have this ridiculous amount of confidence to where I think I'm smarter than everyone, including <laughs> like Vegas, which like they have algorithms stacked on algorithms. Like they're not going to lose. They, I mean, they, they're, they may lose a bet here or there, but they're going to win the vast majority. Otherwise, it wouldn't be a massive enterprise. The house always wins, Cam. It does. It always wins. So that's uh, that's uh, gambling talk with Kirk and Cam. <laughs> um, okay, next next movie or next bit of what's popping mm. news. This is a big one. We're getting another Star Trek movie, and it's going to be directed by Noah Hawley, who did Legion on FX. He did Fargo. Smart guy, visionary director. I'm excited to see what he does. And the biggest part of this is that it is expected to be the Chris Pine, Zachary Quinto, Zoe Saldana Star Trek movie series. That's fantastic. Because because for a long time, right, we were hearing that that was dead, like toast. It got shelved hard because the stars wanted lots of money. More money, more problems. That's what they wanted. Chris Hemsworth was part of the story at that point. He was part of the, the plot. Oh, do you think he will be? I really want one? him to be. Oh, that would be sweet. I don't think he will be, but who knows? I think it would be good if they brought back more of that like interdimensional travel. Mm-hmm. Because Noah Holly, uh, did you watch Legion at all? I did. Season yeah. one. Wacky tacky. It's crazy town. Okay. There's like all kinds of mind games going on in that thing. So he seems like the right guy to do like interdimensional quantum physics relativity type things. And like maybe get some time travel in there. I don't know alternate universes. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I want that. I want the full full Monty. Dude, you know what we haven't done with this crew is time travel within their own timeline. Oh, like older versions of themselves. Yes. Well, except for uh, I mean, we got older Spock, but he was technically in a different. He was from right? the different. He was timeline. from the other. Yeah. But I'm talking like Harry Potter. What 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 oh, is it? Oh, the time turner, the, the time prisoner turner. of Azkaban. I'm talking that like they're they like sneak up on themselves where they once were like five seconds ago oh, and the yeah. plot intertwines. Uh, yeah, he'd be great if he could do that. I would love him. That would be cool. Ooh, I hope that happens. Yeah, I w- I want to see it. I so I was not a huge fan of Star Trek Beyond. Mm-hmm. Like I thought it was fine. I thought it was technically good, but it wasn't like interesting. Yeah. You know, it was very much self-contained, very low stakes. Low stakes is per- is the perfect way to describe that. It just didn't really, we kind of like ended up where we started. <laughs> yes. So I was like, okay, well, that was totally pointless. So I'm excited. I don't know if this will be the last one or if they're going to keep it rolling, but definitely excited to see this cast again. But is this one separate from the Quentin Tarantino Star Trek? <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I think that's probably the question that I had coming out of this. I was like, so that's like dead. Yeah. But it must be because he said, 
I mean, unless his is a sequel to this, which I don't know. I thought it might just be completely separate, but also just Star Trek. I don't know. But he said it was going to be in the same universe. Maybe it's like a spinoff. Maybe. I don't think that project is ever happening. He's probably just <laughs> trolling everybody. Don't you think he's trolling us? He's going to have like 30 different credits on IMDb. Like, which one do you think yeah, it's going it to be? Yeah, it feels like a total troll. Yeah. It feels like a total troll on his part. So I'm just going to say that's toast. I, don't, <laughs> I, I, I mean, I don't expect to ever see a Quentin Tarantino Star Trek, ever. Hmm. But, you know, stranger things have happened. Um, but yeah, I'm excited for that project overall. Okay, next piece of news. This one is really weird. Tom Hanks, of course, is the star of A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, the new Mr. Rogers film biopic. Looks really good. It's getting great reviews. He found out at a screening of the movie, somebody did like 23andMe or something. <laughs> I, I, don't even ask me how they pulled this off. But they did some sort of genetic testing, and it turns out that he's like Tom Hanks is like fred rogers sixth cousin or something like that of course he is i mean they look somewhat alike like when you see the picture next to each other even when he's not in character they look fairly similar i don't know what tom hanks is not capable of i mean yeah that just tells me that he is perfect in always shapes and forms i know there's just like uh yeah your response of of course he is was pretty much yeah everybody they're like oh well yeah Duh. Like, share some of those genes, Tom Hanks. Yeah, just stop being so cool for once. Yeah. No, I love Tom Hanks. I'm not going to say. I'm not even going to pretend to be mad at him. I am mad because he's perfect. Yeah. Well, that's fair. But if anybody should be perfect, it should be him. He's had a fantastic career. He's, he has oh, magnificent successfully career. attacked comedy and drama, switched from like this goofy teen to this wonderful, um, just well-crafted actor as, as an adult and you know that's the big shift when you're when you're like a teen and then you become the, the parent figure right mm-hmm. um and then he's he's uh you he's know, married to the mom from jingle all the way yes rita which wilson I mean, huge and they've been married forever not to downplay rita wilson but i'm just saying like do you think that's why the volleyball's name was wilson no the volleyball's name was wilson because of the brand the brand okay but maybe but maybe it's like a double how many hollywood entendre. couples have stayed married no i know it's he's he's incredibly fortunate and now he played mr rogers now he is mr rogers he wins Austin. makes me yeah mad share the wealth okay i mean that's a hot take it's scorching hot i, I, I can't I, even do the rest of this review. i understand i understand it but i i still think he's infallible and i love him so i'm gonna stick with that he's wonderful Okay, last bit of news. This one is not... I should have done this one first because it's kind of a quick hitter. Daniel Craig has finally confirmed that this is the last Bond he's going to do. We all knew this, yeah? We all knew. Mm-hmm. This was done. But he's for sure dying in this movie. No. Yes, he is. He No, he... <laughs> I, I mean, I hate to rehash this, but he's for sure dead. No. I think they're going to kill him <laughs> because they already have this 007 movie in the works with the female 007. They're going to just torch Bond. It's going to be Bond 25. He's dead, gone. They'll revive it 10 years down the road. Nope. Female 007 is to just diversify their portfolio. Perhaps. They're going to go. They're going to have both of them. They're going to have team ups with both of them later on the line. It's going to be fantastic because (sighs) guess what? He ain't dead. Okay. Well, then who's the next Bond, Kirk? And when's that movie coming out? Shouldn't we know? It's Tom Hanks. <laughs> Dude, I would be there for that. It's like, how old is Tom Hanks? Oh, like 57 or It'd something. It'd be hilarious. Oh, he's got to be older than that. Tom Hanks? I'm saying 57. 
I'm saying he's at least 60. Well, you anyway, want to bet a tattoo on it? No, I don't. I'm <laughs> done with tattoo bets, Kirk. I can't go back to that life. Um, how old is Tom Hanks? Did you find it? I found his birthday. I have to do the math on a calculator. Oh, what? That's Bush League. Why don't they have it right there? Doesn't Google know how stupid we are? How old did you say he was? 60. You're closer. He's 63. Boom. <laughs> I told you. Anyway, it'd be hilarious if Daniel Craig were retired from james bond because he's getting too old and then 63 year old tom <laughs> hanks because the next day is, i'm so here for that yes i would be all over i'd be signed up first person in line to buy tickets to that what what would an old bond like what would the story be you know i don't know it'd be awesome though it'd be john wick probably like he's retired and yet like somebody's still super ticked at him and just comes after him but like older you know like not like it'd be, yeah be more like uh the indiana jones scene where you've got the swordsman and yeah. then harrison ford just shoots him he's like i'm not i'm not dealing with that yeah uh exactly. it'd be a bunch of that it'd be a bunch of just complaining i think yeah just like grumpy you know just like really crotchety yeah yeah, <laughs> yes. yeah. no i would like that Which not is, that like 63 is old but for like james bond it's pretty for old. james bond like jumping over buildings yeah, doing and parkour explosions driving really fast that's not what you do at 63 no it's not um we still have to decide we we got lots of recommendations we still have to decide what my my bet is on the james bond dying thing is um because you're eating what like 12 snack packs i mean 12 snack packs right in a row as fast as i can yeah you're puking your guts out <laughs> I mean, that's that's a done deal i'm excited for that because i know that it's going to happen but <laughs> we still have to decide let's let's take the week Let's sift through the recommendations we got. Okay. Because we got some good ones. There were lots of like, you have to watch, somebody said you had to watch The Kitchen like a million times or something <laughs> like that, which I thought was hilarious. So we'll just we'll have to sift through them and see what my punishment will be. Can't wait. I mean, I'm not going to lose, so I'm not even scared. It's kind of like how I feel. Well, actually, I'm really scared of the tattoo bet. I mean, I'm really scared of the tattoo bet because that is not looking good for me, Kirk. Because I know your fear of that. Yeah. I want to put another tattoo no. on your plate. Oh my gosh, no. I'm I am so Yeah, so the website goldderby.com that does the Oscar like who they think's going to win and they're like pretty accurate. They they still have uh Adam Driver. Oh, is he pulled ahead now? It was he, like Well, a so they were heat. neck and neck. They were tied recently. I haven't checked today. I check it almost every day. <laughs> this is this is my life now. <laughs> this is my life, Kirk, until the Oscars. This is it. Um and so help me, man. If I have to get a tattoo because of Adam Driver, I'm going to send him hate mail for the rest of his career. I'm just going to tweet at him every day and be uh, like, you ruined my <laughs> life. I also envision you like stand like right before bed. You've brushed your teeth. You've washed your face. You're like kind of pinching your clothes away. Like, oh, I wonder if that would be a bad spot. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, for sure. No, I've thought about it. I'm definitely considering <laughs> all the things. Jackie's like, you're not seriously going to get a tattoo, are you? I was like, hey, I made a bet. You yep. know, this is sacred. <laughs> This is good. This goes beyond logic and reason. Oh, man. Um, okay. Well, I don't want to think about that anymore. So let's let's get into our review, which okay. is Knives Out, Kirk. Knives Out. This is, like you said, a Thanksgiving movie. This is the most excited I've been about a movie in a long... I almost said, like, a bunch of years, and then I remembered Avengers Endgame, and I was like... <sighs> Remember that? Yeah. I mean, of course I was obviously... But still, it... I don't get ex- what I'm trying to say is I don't get excited this excited about movies very often especially because it was original original so yeah it has the themes of of movies we've seen before but it's on, a new idea yeah. new characters new everything put together in a very unique way 
So yeah, I, I, I understand your excitement. Yeah. So let's jump into this one. Cause we get a lot to unpack here. Okay. Um, I want to start with the tweet synopsis and it is actually my go first. I think do it. I don't know how I just, my go first is what, <laughs> is what I said. So, uh, that's, we're off to a good start. All right. Tweet synopsis. The suicide of a revered detective fiction novelist sparks suspicions in the mind of one of the world's great private detectives. With a full house of guests and motives, the Thrombies now grapple with the realization that things are not always what they seem. Well, that was perfect. Thank you. Thank you. I agonized over it. Can I just skip mine? I no, really, I want to hear it. I really just like phoned this one in. Uh, no, I want to hear it, Kirk. Right. I want to hear it. The people want to know I don't think your they synopsis. Do. They do. Here we go. Tensions rise when world-renowned author Harlan Thromby begins cleaning out the family skeletons in his household. At a family party, though, one of the guests seeks out revenge by murdering. <laughs> <laughs> what in the world? <laughs> How did you spell that in your synopsis? <laughs> M. A H. <laughs> By murdering him in his oh bedroom. Unbeknownst to the family, a private detective has been hired to figure out who done it. <laughs> That's my. Wow, incredible. Stupid. <laughs> also, how many characters is that? <laughs> I think, like. Over half of your tweet synopses can never be tweeted. And actually, that reminds me. Anna requested that we tweet these out like a long time ago, and we have not done Mm -hmm. it. So that makes me feel like a terrible person. I'll do that. I will. I promise. Yours is definitely not tweetable, though. I'm calling it right now. We're going to start it for for Frozen 2. So, for Frozen 2. We'll start for Frozen and, 2. And onward. I can't I can't find all my notes. They're in like a hundred <laughs> oh, different yeah. places. No, I know. Here's here's what that effort would take if I backlogged it. Yeah. I would have to listen to each episode and and <laughs> write it down. It. I know. It'd be just <laughs> torture. So yeah, definitely not doing that. But going forward will be better. I yes. promise. Okay. I'm excited to get into this. Basic plot, because I've been kind of doing this lately where we give a little bit of extra context on top of our tweet synopsis. You've got a detective fiction writer, which is kind of perfect in a lot of ways. He, this guy writes these kinds of novels for a living. He has a birthday party. His whole family's there. Anytime a whole family is together, there's issues, right? And then he's dead all of a sudden. And so they're, they're basically they're rounding up the whole family back into the home where the murder took place, which they believe is a suicide except for the private detective. They round them up so they can investigate because the private detective, whose name is Benoit Blanc. What a crazy name. Great name. <laughs> great, great private detective name. Yes. So like I, my wife, Jackie, loves Agatha Christie. So I've read a lot of the Agatha Christie books too. Um, Hercule Poirot is one of the, he's like one of the main detectives that they use. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Benoit Blanc, great detective name. Love it. It's close to Matt LeBlanc. Somewhat, yes. <laughs> I, and maybe it should have been Matt LeBlanc as himself. Ooh, I want to reshoot. No, just yeah. kidding. Daniel Craig um, is great. <laughs> so, yeah, he he thinks that it is a uh, mad, as you, as you said. <laughs> See, it's fun. Yeah, it is fun. It's very good. Uh, it's very Cruella de Vil or something. So that's the plot of this movie. So let's unpack it. And the Oscar goes to. I'm going first. I'm going with young Anna de Armas. I thought she was spectacular. She plays 
Um, was her name, okay, help me with this. Was her name Martha or Marta? I believe it was Marta. Because they, sometimes it sounded like people were saying Martha, and I was like, I think it's Marta. I think in their characters, um, characteristics, yeah. they ignorantly called her Martha. Martha, right. Yes. That's, yeah, that's probably what it was. Mm-hmm. So she plays Marta, who is, um, what's Harlan Thrombey, who is like the patriarch of this family and the writer. She's his nurse mm-hmm. and also like his best friend in a lot of ways. She's like his companion and she is caught up. She's sort of the outsider on this big family empire. You know, she's seeing all these, she's around all these powerful and wealthy people and she's just a normal, a normal girl. And she gets all caught up in this whole mess. And she, her character is very innocent and is very like, She's very relatable, I think, in a lot of ways. She's, like, supposed to be a normal person, and she's supposed to kind of be us in a little bit of a way, but you're you're supposed to feel really... She's supposed to feel really, like, a pure and nice person to you, and I thought that she played it really, really well. She had to react, you know. She was more shocked by the things people were saying than the others because she's not in the family. She's like an outsider. So she was getting all kinds of stuff said to her and thrown at her. And so she was constantly reacting. Um, her character also has a funny little quirk that kind of drives the plot of this movie, um, that you'll know when you see it and the way that she, uh, interpreted that was really fun. And, and just the way that her character has to change throughout the movie, um, makes it, in my opinion, a really difficult role, um, you can see why Anna de Armas is on the rise in her career. She's starting to get more roles. She's going to be in hashtag bond 25 that we were just talking about. She was in blade runner 2049. Mm-hmm. Um, and this movie, and I thought that she was really brilliant and I really, really enjoyed her performance. I totally agree. That's why I also chose her nice. as the best actor. Great. Um, her range required for the film was all over the place oh, for, sure. for this script. Uh, funny that you said, like, yeah, she was, like, the insider. She was an outsider, but she had all the inside information. Kind of reminds me of, like, an, a, a, an executive assistant. Yeah. Um, those people hear everything, and they they see all the people come and go, and they are, like, a confident, confidant. They're a sounding board. And that's exactly what this role Marta plays on the Armas. Um, she is sarcastic. She's quirky. Uh, there are so many dark comedic elements that are thrown her way and you just, you just, she just takes it with such a stride. It's very impressive. Um, and then also sincere terror. You see her just like freaking out after all these other elements of her performance. You see this, you're like, wow, she's, she's just going through the gauntlet right now. I think of, um, that terrible show, uh, Scream Queens that was on where they were trying to like cast the next actress in like one of the Saw movies. Yeah. This felt like a whole audition for her because we've seen her in a couple of big movies, um, but she really hasn't had uh, her time to shine. Yeah, for the, sure. At the mainstream level. And this was, this was her time and she killed it. I thought she was wonderful. You know what she reminded me of? I forgot to mention this during mine. Uh, you know how, um, what's her name? Tyra Banks always talks about Smize. Yes. How like you have the smile with your eyes. Her eyes are so expressive. Yeah, like it's a Disney character so big. It's not yeah, in the way that she if you only saw her eyes, you would know what face she it's it's actually really impressive. I don't know how people do that. Um and I'm not talking about like squinting versus like raising your eyebrows. Like she actually 
I don't know how she does it, but it's incredible. And it's probably one of the reasons that she screen tested so well for this movie and she did an incredible job. So I'm, I'm really excited to see where her career go goes. She's pretty young still. I think she's like 30, 31 or something like that. So she's kind of going to get a few shots here to really make something of this. And I think that she very much deserves it. Um, okay. Let's go into scene stealer. My scene stealer was Christopher Plummer who played Harlan, uh, Thromby. And I just, man, he, so right from the jump, he's dead for first scene in the movie. We never see him like alive. We just see flashbacks because there's a, there's a huge flashback element in this. In fact, the movie, um, early on is shot very similar to like a mockumentary uh, in the sense that they're doing like all these side interviews with people. And then you see the flashback. So it's sort of like, it's almost like watching the office or parks and rec or something like that. Cause they're introducing characters, they're interviewing them. And then they show flashbacks of like how they're recalling. And so Christopher Plummer is only in that capacity. Um, but when he's on the screen, he's a very, I don't know. He's a very layered character. Like there's a lot, there's, he's complex. He doesn't get very much time to show you, but that's why I think I chose him. It's like you can pick up in just the small snippets that you get of him, how complex his character is. He's a family first guy, but he's all business and he has a warm heart, but you know, he, he, again, like he, he's not just like, he has a warm heart, but he doesn't trust everybody. You know, he's, he's a very complex character. He's not like, like many of the characters in this movie are archetypes intentionally, but his character is not. And he, he has to nail it for this movie to work. I always try to pick people whose characters, you know, they have to be nailed in order for the whole movie to work. And Christopher Plummer, I think had to be, had, had to work for, um, for this movie to actually do well. And he did a great job. He did. He does so good in everything. Probably he's so he's fantastic. I because mean, he's turning ninety this year. Is that right? Which how he moves the way he does when he's he looks great. Ninety. No, he looks great. Seriously. Christopher Plummer is also famous for when they canned Kevin Spacey. He took the role of All the Money in the World. That's right. And just like memorized everything and got it out before I think that was last Thanksgiving or the one before that and killed it absolutely killed it yeah he i mean he's just a he's the consummate pro i mean he he wins awards he deserves it he gets nominated all the time he does a great job yeah excellent choice thank you i did not match you on okay that well, list, that's so. good we been, yeah <sighs> thank goodness a little variety breathe easy listeners here we go my scene stealer mr james bond himself daniel craig yeah good one i was excited to see what this would be like in the trailers they kind of showed the most um, expected parts of his performance. For sure. So then you saw how much color was in his performance from the from the very first moment that you see him on screen uh, was very different from, what, from the elements that we saw in the trailer. So uh, he has this incredible Southern accent that I never yeah, it's a, knew. It's a Savannah, Georgia accent. Yeah. I never knew that he would be able to pull off in all of his Britain, Britishness. And his physicality is completely different than we've ever seen it before because... He's been, in all of his films, even before um, his James Bond run, has been just the, he is the, he's the man. He's going to come in and, and save you or he, he yeah, he's a hero. Some element of just, uh, of just like Adonis. I don't know. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so his physicality was like sloppy, but in a good way because his character was not necessarily sloppy, but just um, 
cartoony, not, cartoony, uh, type B personality. Yeah, yeah. He was just listening to everything going on, just taking it slow, watching everything go by, and picking up when he needed to, uh, and very playful. I've never seen Daniel Craig this playful. The only kind of playfulness we've seen him in is is uh, really James Bond when he's like picking up girls or whatever. So it was yeah. very nice to see what he could do with that with that trick in his in his bag uh in order to be this character so scene stealer for sure when he came on the screen you paid attention i'm glad you chose him and i'm glad you brought up the accent too because the first conversation i had with my parents when we got in the car was about the accent Mm -hmm. and i think a lot of people's take will be that's a goofy accent and i think it is but it's not his fault i think it's just that the savannah georgia accent is an absurd accent Mm -hmm. and doesn't it sounds so strange, but he nails it. Like, it, I think he does a great job. It's real. Yeah. Um, that's a great pick. He's certainly a fun character. And um, in the detective fiction genre, your detective's got to be great. And he nailed it. For he sure. was. Okay. Let's jump into Showstopper. What was the thing that took our breath away? Mine was Ryan Johnson, who I love, his commitment to the genre. I, I mean, as you can probably tell, I'm a big detective fiction guy. I, I love it. Um, and Ryan Johnson clearly is as well. He took notes from all of the greats, you know, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, Agatha Christie, Raymond Chandler, all of these great detective fiction novelists, and there are a lot of them, and he incorporated all of those bits into his movie. He, um, the way that they constructed the home and the way that he made it very much at one point they say uh, this guy lives in a clue board or something like yes. that. Like <laughs> that's, that's a great line and a great way of showing just like how much Ryan Johnson gets it. Um, but what's really impressive is not just his commitment to the genre, but how he modernized it. So you have all of the things that you expect to see in a whodunit, even down to the way that the house looks, the time of year, the lighting, all of it is very much old school whodunit. But the best part, of detective fiction is the characters and you have to build these really polarizing archetype characters that fall into a very small subsection of humanity because the way the detection detective fiction works and why it's so effective is that it uses your biases against you. So it gives you all these different stereotypes and archetypes of people. And so you start to, unbeknownst to yourself you start to form these biases that are based on what you already thought you knew about people who fall into that category and then the it's the writer's responsibility to use those against you to come up with something that just totally blows you away and so he created a bunch of new archetypes that are very much present in our culture there was like you know, the alt-right internet troll there was the social justice warrior there was uh the like entrepreneur yeah the like older age millennial cali girl who's like very sure of herself and is i don't know has has a small business and thinks she's like all that but she really just has like trust fund money Mm -hmm. (laughs) and all of these different like there was the old curmudgeon conservative guy versus the ultra liberal uh, i don't know anyway all of these really modern archetypes that just felt so right in 2019. Like it was very much a reflection of what we have going on in our society today, especially if you spend a lot of your time on the internet. So taking that detective fiction genre, 
honoring it and paying homage to it in such a great way, but then also applying modern types of people, modern, I mean, obviously they're caricatures, but all of that modern flair is what made it really good, I thought. Yep. Very well woven. Uh, Yeah. I love it. I love it. My showstopper, I nailed it down to the lighting. Mm, And I want to go back to your reference of... uh, of, uh, Did you say Hound of the Baskervilles or did you say Sir Arthur Conan Doyle? Yeah, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, yep. Definite vibes of that in here. The very first shot of this film just screams Hound of the Baskervilles. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) The moment, like, it's not a spoiler. It's an establishing shot of the house. There's fog. It's kind of dusk uh there and there are these dogs running at the screen yeah i was like if that's not a nod i don't know what is yeah (laughs) so yeah uh but i picked i picked lighting and that comes into play even with exterior shots because you wait to film that scene until it's just perfect and and all of the other tricks go with it as well with the fog and um how the light is hitting everything in the scene i i loved how he played with warm and cool in this movie, um, it's very important to, to have those balance out in every single scene uh, to frame the characters uh, of the shot. And I never knew how important that was until my, a theater class uh, I took where we talked at length uh, about lighting. And I did, did not get it. I did not get a very good score on it when I was in school, but man, can I recognize it now? There's a scene when, when Ana de Armas is uh, just like inches away from the camera and her face is like flooded with blue. And then there are just these tiny glimmers of like the lanterns of the hallway behind her that are just warm. And it just puts, puts her in, in frame so well for that moment that uh, watch out for that as you watch films, warm and cool, even in Disney movies, even in Pixar movies, lighting is so important and those elements of lighting are huge are absolutely huge that we saw Catherine langford's eyes this had, this is in the trailer this like little rectangle shot on her eyes was just so perfect and poignant there's also this, she was great by the way Catherine she Langford. was yeah, of, very good. of 13 reasons why fame she she did fantastic uh, there's also uh, like this gobo light on on this private conversation near the study in a little nook of the house where it's just such a fascinating shot as well. Exterior night scenes, uh, the spider crawling on the lady's face in the abandoned building. Yeah. All the lighting was so different. I talked about how Ana de Armas's performance was like this gauntlet. Well, I think the lighting was as too, was that as well. I think Ryan Johnson probably just said, hey, uh, just put all put all the tricks in here. I want to see yeah, every, oh, yeah. everything that happened in this. And it, and it did. And it was really exciting to watch. Yeah, really good one. Um yeah, the the whole way that he constructed this very meticulous, very like no stone left unturned, and the lighting is like a perfect call out that shows the attention to detail, which has been kind of a recurring theme with our directors of late is the attention to detail. I mean, we had Doctor Sleep, The Lighthouse, um, very meticulous direction going on. So it's good to see uh, means films in a really good spot with these guys um, and all the different great directors that we have. Let's jump into director shoes. I have a feeling, Kirk, that we'll be in the same camp on this one. Am Probably. I, am I right about that? Probably. So I only have one, I really only have one complaint with this movie, and it's the payoff. So the end of the movie, it just really didn't didn't do it for me. It didn't did not get to that big reveal that makes your stomach sink and makes you feel like, holy cow, I never saw that coming. Um, which is really a shame. <laughs> I mean, it just really is. It 
I mean, I loved, I loved the movie. I loved everything that they were doing, but the payoff has to be perfect. It has to be, it doesn't even have to be, I don't want to say perfect. It doesn't have to be perfect, but it has to be something that most people are not going to see coming or something that just really like builds and then is thrilling. Even if you did predict it, it has to be thrilling. And I didn't feel like this got there for me. So that that's my director's shoes. I'll leave it at that. I don't want to go any farther and spoil anything, but um, would have liked a better payoff. Yeah, you know, it's a who done it. So we're trying to figure out who did it, right? I was I was mad. I'll be perfectly honest with yeah. you. Yeah, I was mad at who done it. Who done it? Who was responsible for the murder? <laughs> I, I really wanted it to be someone else. Yeah, and I even thought of like six different ways after it after it ended on my drive home. I was like, well, this could have happened, and this could have happened. X Y Z. I just went on all these different tangents. It almost makes me think that I want to be the guy in Hollywood who goes and watches the movies for the uh, for the studios and says, no. We're going to do some reshoots. Here's how the ending's going to be. I would love to do that. Yeah. That's not a real job, but I think it could be really beneficial for a lot of films. Um, because yeah. I just I, I just had some really, really fun ideas that we could have done. Um, or Yeah, I mean, we that's what we did on the car ride home, is just like wrap on different yeah. ideas that could have happened. Yeah. Or what if they would, should have done it like Clue style? They already referenced it. What if they had alternate endings? Yeah, show us all the different ways that it could have happened and then show us which one yeah. did happen. I would love that. Yeah, I, that would have been really cool. That would have been really, really cool. And what I what I will give them credit for with what if it did happen? Maybe it did. Because when they when they released Clue, didn't they just release different endings in different theaters? I don't remember. Oh yeah, I think they did. Yeah, I think it was a different ending in different theaters and or different the, parts of the country. And then it just like confused people because they're like, "Wait a second, yeah, what happened here?" Which is pretty awesome. It's brilliant. Yeah, I love that. Ooh, maybe it did. Maybe we all saw a different ending. Oh my goodness. No, I don't believe that. I don't think they could do that in the modern age. Maybe they could. They should. Well, we'll find out. Like I said, this one <laughs> hasn't been wide released yet. We got the early showtime. Thank you, Fandango. That was a good one. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I think that ultimately when when it comes down to these things, you you have to have a great payoff. And I will give them credit. They did not cheat. Mm-mm. So sometimes, you know, Jackie for sure, and, and I am in the same boat, get really frustrated when detective fiction novels cheat. So what I mean by that is that the reveal includes something that you could not have possibly known. It wasn't given to you. You never saw it. You never, never got saw up. It. So perfect example is uh, this book called The Murder of Roger Ackroyd by Agatha Christie. If you're going to read that book, just stop listening right now. I'm about to spoil it. I think there's going to be a lot. Of <laughs> <laughs> well, we read that in our detective fiction class and it broke some rules. So first of all, the murderer was the narrator, which hmm. is ethically i don't know if that's the right word in a detective fiction novel you're kind of supposed to trust the narrator they're they're like our view of the world so it's hard for them to be the murderer because like they're giving an honest depiction of what yeah yeah but then also like the thing the one like piece of evidence i can't remember exactly it was like he heard they heard him having a conversation with somebody in a room but it was really a uh like phonograph like a record player thing which we never knew was in the room not fair yeah, so I was like, "That's that's a cheat," you know. That's I still liked the I still really liked the uh, the movie yeah. or the book. It was not a movie. I liked the book, but that's cheating. And they did not cheat in this. They movie. did not. You're right. But everything the payoff that, was not great. Everything that happened had been introduced in some way, as it should have been. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, but let's go ahead and score this thing. Um, final thoughts for me. It this movie was great. It did a great job. It lost a full 
point on the payoff. It lost a full point for me on the payoff. Um, and here's the thing. And we, first of all, we always encourage you to see the movies that we see because we want to have a conversation about it. Our reviews are just that they're subjective reviews. And so, especially in this genre, uh, detective fiction is interpretive. Remember I talked earlier about the different archetypes and how you have different biases about people. If you have the right bias in this movie towards who you think did it, you might be shocked by the ending. I have no idea. So this thing is very much interpretive and I want to hear if you go see it this Thanksgiving weekend, which I would recommend, I want to hear your theories and your thoughts, like send it over to us. Um, but like I said, lost a full point on the payoff for me. Would have liked it to be better. But other than that, I thought this movie was really spot on. I can see why it's getting really good reviews. I'm giving it an 8.4 out of 10 kernels. Excellent. This movie is very fun. I did not expect it to be so fun. I knew that there yeah, were going to be too. Funny. comedic elements, but there were moments when I was like cackling. Um, I, I think we, I sat right next to you and there was a moment where I was just like, yeah, laugh out loud. There was a moment where no one else was laughing. And I was like, ha ha ha. Like <laughs> that was a good one. <laughs> and I just like turned away. I was like, Ooh, this guy, <laughs> he's he moved the popcorn farther away from me. <laughs> yeah. He forbid me from snacks. <laughs> Jerk. Uh, so I would say that, yeah, go see it. It's got hilarious moments. It's got some very just well-structured moments. Uh, it's overall just w- very well put together. Like we talked about, um, my score mostly was affected because of, I thought of so many ways that it could have gone at the end, yeah. which anyone could do. So maybe that makes me a curmudgeon. I'm going to give it 7.2 kernels. Okay. Sounds good. If you go see knives out this weekend, it's getting wide release this weekend, just in time for Thanksgiving. Um, hit us up. We want to talk to you about it. We want to hear all of your thoughts, all of your alternate endings. We want to know. And on that note, let's jump into our top five ensemble casts. So these are movies where these are not movies like Judy and these are not movies like um, the lighthouse where you've just got two people. This Mm -hmm. is like when you've got three or four people who put on a really good show and they do so in conjunction with others and they do a, a good job. So let's, let's break it down. You're going first with your number five. You always spring that on me. No, it's it's always opposite. So whoever starts on the review goes okay. goes second on the top five, and vice that way it's fair, Kirk. Because this is a fair podcast. Listen, before this, we were going to do top five knives, and okay, but <laughs> <laughs> yes, we were we were going to do top five knives, and I was ready. Were you ready? Can you give us that list? No. <laughs> okay, I was I was like, there's no way, because I'm like I don't know a ton about knives, but I would have been like a uh, pocket knife. Uh, Swiss Army knife, machete, yeah, butcher knife, steak, steak knife. knife, butter knife. That's it. Cleaver, that's the same thing as a butcher knife, right? Maybe. Pizza cutter. Does that count? No, not a knife. Uh, <laughs> see, that would have been terrible. That would have been so bad. <laughs> We'd have had the exact same ones, <laughs> just but, a different order. You know, we're clever. Number five, top five ensembles. Now and then. With Christina Ricci, Thora Ooh. Birch, Devin Sawa, Rita Wilson, yes, Rosie O'Donnell, Demi Moore, and so many others. This movie is great. Uh, I think it came on Netflix not too long ago, and people were shocked and they had never seen it before. I myself watched it as a youngling uh, when it was like on TBS, and I thought it was one of the coolest movies of the world. Um, it's very much a throwback to the. I want to say early to mid seventies. Sure. This group of girls, they're they're just living life. They have some crazy 
families and parents it's the summer and then we fl- we flash forward to their lives as adults as well and what's happening with their lives and are they the same people or do they have traces of that or did they learn something from when they were kids and love this movie it's so fun yeah it's so good good pick good pick uh my number five i'm going with anchorman beautiful in an ensemble cast that includes christina applegate david keckner uh, Will Farrell, Paul Rudd, Steve Carell, and many, many, many more. Um, Vince Vaughn, Tim Robbins, everybody. <laughs> this movie is hilarious. This movie was super inventive. I thought it. I still think it's one of the funniest movies of all time. Uh, quote this movie on a regular basis. And each character, comedy is not easy. We know that. I think people a lot of times think comedy is easy. Comedy is not easy. And each of these characters has a different comedic element. And then when they're all together, I mean, the laughs are just nonstop when they're just playing off of each other. It is hilarious and one of the greats. So I had to go with Anchorman. There's like segments in that movie for like 10 minutes straight at a time, which seems insignificant, but it is a lot of screen time where you're just laughing the entire time. Yeah, and it doesn't matter how many times you've seen it. And it's just totally ridiculous, but so great. So, yeah, Anchorman is definitely number five. Beautiful. My number four. Going to go old school. Going to go old school. <laughs> sure, yeah. <laughs> Kirk's having a stroke. <laughs> I'm going to just... Uh, it's going to be like, what, what are those when they mix it? Is it anagram? What do you, what do you call it when you have all the letters mixed up? Yeah, anagram. Okay, that's what I'm going to... I'm just going to make up the next kind of noises and you have oh. to figure it out. You ready? Uh, I don't like that. Shroving men. What? <laughs> Twelve angry men. Oh, okay, sure. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'm tired. I don't think you had all the syllables that were necessary for that. No, <laughs> not at all. Twelve angry men. Uh, this... I saw this, who knows when, um, but Black and White, the original 12 Angry Men, I don't know if there's a remake. There's probably a TV remake, but this this movie is so cool. It actually reminds me a lot of you, Cameron, because you sat in on a jury. I did. And you had to convince most of the jury that the guy that you could not convict him. Yeah, let me tell you guys. Based on the facts. Our, our justice system, I love this country, but whoo. Yeah. This, we had a guy who clearly could not have been convicted under any circumstances. And when we went into that juror's room, six out of 12 people were like, yeah, he's guilty. And I was like, based on what? There was like no physical evidence. Yikes. Yeah. So don't get arrested. Just do your best not to. Yeah. This this movie is, it's got Henry Fonda in the, in the lead. He's juror number 12 and he is Cameron Wiggs. He, he tells everybody, no. No, we don't have all the facts. Let's walk back through this. Let's figure this out. We're not going to send someone to life in prison without um, due justice. So yes. it's it's a really incredible, incredible movie. And uh, you've got to see it. That's a classic right there. Yeah, good one. Uh, it is a great movie. It's funny. That one's on Jackie's like I want to watch list. Has been ever since I've known Jackie. We've never watched it. So, <laughs> I mean, I, I've seen it, but she she hasn't. She's always wanted to. I'm, I know she would love it. I, I don't know. I can't explain. You know how these things go. Absolutely. Like, it's just there, and you know that it's there, and you'll know that it will always be there, and that's the reason why you don't pick it. Yeah. Go watch it. Yeah, I will. I will do that. Uh, my number four, Avengers Endgame. Nice. Had to go with it, because... That ensemble is ginormous and incredible. Evans, Johansson, Paltrow. I don't know why I chose her third. (laughs) (laughs) That was random. (laughs) Ruffalo, uh, Downey Jr., 
you know, the whole crew, they're all there. Um, yes, that was really a strange, a strange <laughs> choice. But, uh, anyway, Avengers Endgame, great ensemble cast. I think everybody does a really good, gives a really good, honest performance in that movie for sure. Um, despite it being a super packed superhero movie. Um, I love that movie. The, that has the, in my opinion, the greatest ensemble cast moment of all time which is of course the avengers assemble uh moment which i've referenced many times it gives me goosebumps just thinking about it i love it so much so yes number four avengers endgame circa 2019 i'm having a lot of trouble with my next couple just like just like deciding between them yeah it's really it's really rough here man um all right here we go number three for me gonna go pitch perfect Ooh, that's a good one you want an ensemble team it's right here i just want to point out and brag that i knew this movie was going to be good i had no idea it would be such a global sensation and we're just talking about the first one here not second and third yeah, let's, let's just make that clear let's just ignore those but the first one i knew i had it felt it in my bones that it was going to be a hit a smash success that's pretty good that's a good feather in your cap because i don't think many people were on that on that train thank you thank you i i got made fun of a lot from from people they're like that's going to be garbage and then lo and behold it's it's something that gets played on repeat everywhere yep everyone quotes that movie it's such a good yeah it's a a classic uh just a bunch of uh a bunch the right people right time and love it pitch perfect Yep, good call. Good call. That was your number four. Yes, it was. No, three. You went first. Yes. That was your number three. Sorry. My number three is a David O. Russell film by the name of American Hustle. Nice. This is a movie. I love this movie. But even if I didn't love this movie, this is kind of what I was talking about earlier. This cast is just insane. Um, you've got Christian Bale, uh, J-Law, of course, you've got um, Amy Adams and Bradley Cooper and uh, what's his name? Jeremy Renner. Really, really good cast in this movie. And those guys, all, I, I thought that year they should have clean swept the Oscars. Bradley Cooper. Can we talk about Bradley Cooper's performance in that movie? <laughs> Incredible. He should have he won the Academy Award for that. He was insanely good in that movie. And... I just thought they were all crazy good. That that scene when they're yelling and the the, the phone and the hotel room. When and he's yeah, <laughs> that scene and the one where he's uh, making fun of the guy that he was talking on the phone to to all those people. Yes. That scene is so good. Um, Amy Adams is unbelievable in that. Movie. She won for that movie, didn't she? I think so. No, no, she's never won. She's never won. Never won best actress, but has she won has supporting? She won best supporting. I think, Let's I check I that. Can't, I, can't I don't think she's won an Oscar actually. Maybe not. Maybe she. But maybe it was the Globes. But she was definitely nominated for it. Might have been the Globes. And she was insane in that movie. And some people don't like this movie. I don't care. I love it. Check it out if you haven't seen it. David O. Russell's great. Mm-hmm. The Fighter, uh, Silver Linings Playbook, American Hustle, um, Joy. That's another one people don't like, but has J Law in it. Dude, it's, that one's great. It's pretty good. Yeah, it's a good one. Um, so yeah, American Hustle. Love that cast. I'll probably go home and watch it tonight because I'm just I keep thinking about it. Love it. I got two left. Number two. Number two. I'm going to go with Inception. I play with your brain. Good one. Good one. This movie, I think it was mine and Aubrey's like second or third date. Can't quite remember. It was back in 2009 or 10. I just know our first date was Princess and the Frog. That's our first date. Got it in lockdown. I know it. I remember it. I love you. 
Um, Inception, absolutely insane. Um, Leonardo DiCaprio, Joseph mm-hmm. Gordon-Levitt, Tom Hardy, uh, Killian Murphy, uh, Ellen Page. Yeah, all of them. All of them. Every last. Oh, what's her name? Uh, that incredible Marianne Cotillard. Yes, so good. This this movie I often play on repeat. This is a movie that I would watch, I watch at bedtime to try to have crazy dreams because it's so good. Uh, I, I just I love every aspect of it. I love how much time it took to write this. I love the performances. No one is bad in this film. They you all want to have crazy dreams. Sorry, going back to that. I do. I love crazy dreams. You want to have dreams where people come into your brain and manipulate you? <laughs> no, no, no. Is that no. what you're saying? No, no, no. Not, I don't want to dream about Inception. Mm-hmm. I just want to have crazy dreams. Okay. Is that weird? No, that's fine. I like I like vivid dreams. Yeah, I was just I was just exploring for more info. Mm, felt like there was okay. more info there, but it's you just like to have crazy dreams. That's fine. I do because a lot of times I I'm, I stay up too late and then I just I just. I fall asleep so hard that nothing, I can remember nothing of my dreams. Yeah. So that way, if I watch something like super invigorating and intense like this, and especially if it's about dreams, then sometimes I have some pretty crazy dreams. It's a good pick. I uh, I tell people this all the time, but I swear 90% of my dreams are nightmares. Mm. It's like a literal hellscape. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I wake up in cold sweat every night. Is that is that is that linked to some sort of underlying? If there's somebody under, out there who knows what's happening to me, this is a, this is actually a call for help. Sorry to interrupt your number two. Well, we're gonna get you on a sleep study. <laughs> yeah, I need I need something. I need to figure out why I'm having nightmares so often because it's constant. I'm so sorry. Yeah, yeah, it's okay. It's okay. It's I live with it. It's Let's been write my a entire movie life. about it. Um, actually, when I was a uh, <laughs> when I was a little kid, this is probably too much personal information. But whenever I was a little kid, I used to pray every night for no bad dreams and no bloody noses. Aww. That's right, every night because I always got bloody noses too. Very dry up there in the sinuses. Were the bloody noses a result of the b- bad dreams? I, I mean, I don't think I'm eleven from Stranger Things or mm-hmm. anything. Um, could be, could be the result of the bad dreams. I don't know. You haven't unlocked your potential. You haven't unlocked your shine. Maybe I'm tele- like yes. Doctor Sleep. Maybe I'm telekinetic. Who knows? Move, anyway, move that lamp. Anyway, but seriously, if you, I can't. I'll, tr- <laughs> I'll try it later. But uh, if anybody knows why I'm having so many nightmares, let me know. Inception. Is it Inception? Is it you? I'm in your dream. Gosh, Kirk, <laughs> cut it out for once. <laughs> I've Goodness, been, I've been haunting you since you were three. <laughs> My whole life. Oh, that's terrifying. That's a terrifying thought. Okay, let's move on. Number two. My number two. L.A. Confidential. Have you ever seen L.A. Confidential? I have not. I'm adding it to your list. Do it. This is a fantastic movie. This is a movie that is on HBO all the time. I used to watch it like multiple times a summer because I was home just watching TV. I love it. Kim Basinger, Russell Crowe, Guy Pearce, Kevin Spacey, Jim Cromwell, Danny DeVito. The list goes on. Incredible, incredible, incredible cast. Really good story keeps you guessing till the end. It's about the L.A. Police Department and some of the things that were going on in L.A. Really, really cool. I think this movie's from the late 1990s. Um, I love it. Russell Crowe's fantastic in this movie. Actually, everybody is, but Russell Crowe carries, and the rest of the cast is just incredible. So definitely check out L.A. Confidential. I'm adding it to my list right now as i speak yes it's a good one trying to spell confidential correctly and my number one number one you i don't know do you do you know my number one do i know your number one my number one top five ensemble no i don't is it moulin rouge 
It is Moulin ah, Rouge. Ah, of course. <laughs> of course it is. <clears throat> if I haven't stressed it enough, if you haven't seen this movie, drop what you're doing and go watch this because... Drop what you're doing. I don't care what you're doing. <laughs> I don't care if you're a doctor in surgery. Yeah. I don't care if you're flying a plane. Nothing's more important. I don't care if you're running from a pack of rabid wolves. Why you would be in that scenario, I don't know, but I just well, want you to you know... how would you even watch the movie if you're running from a pack of wolves? Well... You know, you just need to make it happen. I mean, planes fly themselves these days. So Autopilot. Really, yeah. Just like airplane with the inflatable guy. I can't stress how much that... It may take two viewings to really understand how perfect this movie is. Sure. But it's so good. I'm re-watching it again. Uh, I painted my son's room this weekend, and I, I just needed something on the background that I had seen one million times. I chose it, and I got distracted, and I kept watching it, which took me longer to paint his room, understandably so. Sure, yeah. Uh, this movie is is out of this world. Then the ensemble is fantastic. You, we've got Ewan McGregor, aka Obi Obi Wan Kenobi. We got Nicole Kidman. We've got John Leguizamo. We've got oh my gosh, I can't even remember. There's so many people. <laughs> There's a lot. There's uh, what's her name from uh, uh, Renee Zellweger, right? She is not in. Oh, it. she's not. No, she's in Chicago. She's I in Chicago. Get those two confused. They're, they're rough. Yeah, they're rough every time. But it's 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 perfect it's the it's the number one top ensemble movie this is gonna be like a recurring theme in this podcast like you're gonna find a way to get moulin rouge on every list you're gonna be like top five horror movies and you're gonna be like (laughs) moulin rouge hear me out hear me out there is one scene (laughs) you're just gonna play like that i would respect it i'd respect it stay tuned just live your truth okay number one for me the departed Ooh. Martin Scorsese's masterpiece. First masterpiece. The Irishman hits oh, Netflix on yeah, November on, 27th. Yeah, Wednesday. Wednesday, my We're friend. there, man. We're here. We made it. I know it's been a long <gasps> and lonely road, Kirk, but we are here. Oh. Um. Anyway, going back to me. The Departed. Cockies. <laughs> <laughs> Where, where'd you park the car? <laughs> are you a cop? I'm not a cop. You know, that, that whole deal. Um. It's Damon, DiCaprio, Nicholson, Wahlberg, Sheen, Baldwin, stacked ensemble. And Vera Femmelotele. I can't say her last well, name. Well, that's why I didn't put it because I <laughs> didn't even want to try it. Vera. Yeah. You, we know. you. You. If you've seen the movie, you know who we're talking about. Vera F. There we go. Yeah. This movie is awesome. Absolutely keeps you guessing till the very end. It is the best mob movie ever that I've ever seen. I haven't seen a ton of mob movies, but I love it. Um, I watch this movie all the time still. The ending gives me chills every time just thinking about it. And the performances are insane. Just so, so good. And I feel like anybody who lives in the Boston area who has a professional actor who wasn't in this movie probably is really mad at Martin Scorsese because they're really missing out. Sometimes I watch that for bed too, which... What in the world, Kirk? Makes no sense. Yeah, what are you trying to... What kind of <laughs> whack ideas are you trying to pump into Ooh. your brain before you go to sleep? Wait, hey, whatever, man. Do your thing. Um, yeah, The Departed. So good. Love it. It's the best. So that is our top five ensembles. Let's do honorable mentions. I got a ton of them. Okay, I, I'm just going to go. Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. Check that movie out if you haven't seen it. It's a really fun one. Um, fun is probably not the right word, but it's a really good one. Spotlight with Ruffalo... Um, Rachel McAdams, Leah Schreiber, Michael Keaton, the usual suspects, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, 
That's a really good one. The Grand Budapest Hotel. I really could have chosen any Wes Anderson movie. All of his ensemble casts are brilliant. The Lord of the Rings. And of course, Kirk, Ocean's Eleven. Ocean's Eleven. It's a good one. But not 12 or 13 or 14. Or any of the preceding or any of the sequels or whatever. Dumb. Dumb. Agreed. I got... Avengers 1, because we'd never seen anything like that before. True, good point. Star Trek reboot with Chris Pine, Zachary Quinto, um, Anton Yelchin, rest in peace. That was so good. Uh, And the rest of the cast, of course. Uh, Wizard of Oz, Goodfellas, Reservoir Dogs, Mm. and that's all I got. Good ones, good ones. I want to know, hit us up. As always, we always say this, and we mean it from the bottoms of our hearts. We want to hear from you. We want to know what your top five ensemble casts are. We want to know what they are. And we want to know if you like Moulin Rouge as much as Kirk. I doubt it, frankly. No chance. I don't think there's any chance. If there was a way to um, inject Moulin Rouge straight into your brain, Kirk would do that. Mm -hmm. Um, I would challenge anyone who thinks they know Moulin Rouge more than I. Oh, watch out. Watch out. There's people (laughs) out there, Kirk. They'll come get you. They'll find you. They'll get you. Come at me. Wow. Just taking open challenges. So, yeah, if you want to challenge, if we want, to, if we need to arrange some sort of Moulin Rouge trivia deal, I don't know what that would look like. We can do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, we want to hear from you. Top five. Otherwise, have a fantastic Thanksgiving. If you're traveling, please take us on your trip with you. We want to, we want to, you know, listen to popcorn for breakfast. We got a whopping twenty episodes now, so you can catch up on any of those you missed. Um, but most of all, have a wonderful time. Yes. Spend time with your family. Watch football. Eat all the trip to, what is it called? Trip, <laughs> trip to sides. Trip the, trip to fan. No, trip, that sounds like a that sounds like a prescription drug. Trip the cam. Trip the fly. Eat whatever that thing is that's in Turkey that makes you fall asleep. Eat all of that and then have a nice nap. Mm-hmm. And uh, wake up and eat more. Exactly. Uh, we want to thank Ryan. We're thankful for. How about this? We're since this is the Thanksgiving special. You see what I'm doing here, Kirk? I love it. We are thankful for Ryan Spriggs, who, as always, helps us produce this podcast. And we are also thankful for Ryan Spriggs and Brandon Aristed for our awesome, awesome music. We will see you guys next week. Happy Thanksgiving. Talk to you then.
I'm trying to gobble. <laughs> That's pretty good. Let me hear yours. No, <laughs> I don't know. But you gotta pull your, you gotta no, pull your neck. You gotta pull your neck skin out like you're the like you're the dinosaur from Jurassic Park, or a turkey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say we're you know a turkey since that's what you're imitating. <laughs> 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 